Like I said, you can uh, snag a quilt today. Uh, the prices are out in the Welcome Center and at the front desk. Um, or you can just snuggle on it while you're here. That's fine, too. Fear not. Today, for our time of study together, um, we're going to talk about how we're just like Legos. Okay? Are you ready? Did you know that every Lego, nearly every one, has the mark of their creator on it? It's true. And it makes sense, right? Like all of these Legos, if you look very closely, if the Lego is large enough to bear the logo, it's marked. Every one. And that makes sense, right? Because if you buy Legos, you want to make sure you have genuine Lego parts. You don't want some knockoff thing. There are over 3,700 different Lego elements. There are probably over that many Legos in my house alone. But, but different Lego elements, most of them are bricks. Then there are those flat base plates and all kinds of little accessories. There are 8,000 minifigures. You know what I'm talking about, right? The very small Lego people that sometimes you have a conversation with in the middle of the night when you have stepped on them. Yep. Yep. Minifigures. Over the life of the Lego company, there are 8,000 different minifigures. This, this is my favorite one, though. We have this shark. My least favorite thing about this shark is that part of its jaw comes off. If you step on the jaw, you have a conversation with a shark in the middle of the night. Yes, yes. But this shark, we, we got it probably in a set over 10 years ago, and still to this day, it occasionally shows up in different places. It'll be in a trip or in a pocket, suddenly be on the table at a restaurant. It's always handy, I think, to have an extra shark around. If you've ever bought a set of Legos, you know that there is a nearly infinite number of configurations. I know they tell you how to put it together, and if you get a good set, there are multiple ways to put it together. Sometimes there's like three-in-one sets, right, where you can build this piece on the front, then there are alternate things on the back. They give you step-by-step -step instructions. There are pictures. It's glorious. There are also B-builds. Have you ever heard of these? You can go online and people will take sets like this and sometimes combine them with another set and make something else, and then they'll put that information online so that then you too could build this fabulous thing they've made. There's all kinds of ways to put these things together. And you can build what you want. Just like if I buy the Legos, right, then I get to decide what I build, right? And if I buy the Legos and give them as a gift to you, then you would get to decide what you built with the Legos. Today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about what God does with his Lego sets. It's true. Let's dig in a little bit and see, as we continue our series called Messy Grace, 
Again, we join our first century church, the Church of Corinth. We gather around the edges of their community, standing shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters of faith. Today, Paul is going to teach about how the church is put together and how God has designed the body of Christ to work. You may, be, may recall that the church in Corinth is trying to figure out how they live faithfully as Christians in a world that is fractured and divided. They're trying to figure out how to, how to live as Christians, how the teachings of Jesus get lived out in a world that is filled with political strife, where there's a variety of cultural expressions and competing faith groups. Even within the church, they can't seem to agree how to live together well, how to worship God faithfully, and how to love their neighbor. So basically, kind of like today, right? Some of these same struggles are struggles that we have in our own society, our own culture, and our own days. So Paul is still teaching about how the body of believers is to behave when they're together, how they're to worship and to serve one another with the, within the community of faith. So Paul begins this section on the body of Christ with an example of how we as people of God are united, though we are all a little different. We have different gifts and skills, different worldviews, different passions. God calls us together, intentionally placing us in a specific community of faith. God intentionally takes these different pieces, this diverse collection of believers, and unites them into one community of faith. Paul then takes it a step further. Just as God has taken a diverse set of people and made them one body, united with one spirit, God has also made us interdependent. No one person can do everything, and no one set of skills is more important than another. We're interdependent, and we need each other. Paul's trying to explain to the church this strange and holy collection of opposites. While we're intentionally diverse, God makes us one. While we each have different gifts and are given different responsibilities within the community, we need one another. God places us together, builds us up as the body of Christ, and in such a way that we each are vitally important and at the same time, indispensable to one another. And it's that tension, how we are interdependent and yet indispensable, that we're going to see played out today. We will be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I invite you to find that in your Bible or... Uh, in the Bible in front of you, or the Bible app, we often take a moment to stop and find the text in Scripture so that you have it in front of you. One, so that you have practice, right? It's sometimes hard to look things up in the Bible. Um, I'm not the only one, I would imagine, who sometimes forgets. If a particular book is at the beginning 
or the end. 1 Corinthians is towards the end. But if you can't remember, fear not, there's a table of contents. You can also find 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those are those big numbers. I'm going to start reading with verse 11. No, verse 12. Those are those little tiny numbers. And we do often have this up on the screen. But it's always great when you have it in front of you as well. You get the extra notes if you have a study Bible. And you get to see the larger context of what we're talking about as I focus in on something specific. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12, Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of, is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now Paul's going to lean into that tension between unity and diversity. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body and ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now Paul's going to make his second point. While we're many parts and one body, also that diversity is indispensable. We need the variety. Let's see how Paul continues. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Here's his big final point. Now, if you are the body of Christ, and each one of you then is part of it. So in a way, we're like God's Lego set. You see how that might work? And we all bear the mark. Just like the Legos all carry the logo, we all bear the mark 
of our creator. The first time I saw this was at a, a big event for ministry leaders. I don't remember where we were. They were talking about how no matter what we do, God is using us in the ministries we've been planted in, right? And so we all had an opportunity to go up and stick our hand in some paint. Some of you know I don't like dirt, so this is fun. But we would stick our hand in some paint, and then we would, they'd marked off one of the walls that had a bunch of paper on it, so we all made a handprint. Have you ever seen this before? We all bear this mark right here, right? If you've done this with little kids and you're trying to make handprints on the wall, what's the very next thing you do, right? You color that part in. We made a big one. I made this one this morning. We all bear that mark. You have to work really hard to make it go away, right? You have to color it in. But when we make a handprint, even though the middle's all goopy, that's what shows up. We all bear the mark of our creator. It's actually kind of fun to do. See? There's a passage in Galatians that this reminds me of. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We each bear that mark. And in the midst of all the things that we do, it's a little reminder that just like Lego wants to make sure you know you've got genuine Lego parts, our Lord wants to make sure you know you belong to him. You are a part of the body of Christ. All of us marked in this way as a reminder from the very beginning of time. We carry the mark of our creator. And just like a well-equipped box of Legos, God has hundreds of different pieces here in this set. And like any good architect, he's not constrained by the pictures on the box. Have you ever done that? Have you ever given a gift of Legos to someone and watched them rip it open and dump it out on the carpet, splitting open all the little packets? And then what do they do with the directions? They take the directions and they throw them over their shoulder. Now, I'm a little type A. I think the directions are there for a reason. So that is when I have a small panic attack, right? They gave you directions. You should follow them. But the young architect in my home thinks that would be a silly way to start and takes all the pieces and builds them in whatever configuration at that moment they desire. Like any good architect, God is not constrained by some picture on a box. He's not constrained by some 
preconceived set of expectations. God has an infinite number of configurations for this specific set. And just like my Legos all belong to me, all of these pieces, the ones in this community of faith at St. John's, all belong to God. And if all of these pieces belong to God, then God gets to decide what he builds. God will shape and organize things. God will move things around as needed. And sometimes it's hard to get a handle on what God might be doing. On any given day, we only get to see one part of the project. I sometimes think it's like being like a minifigure in the middle of a big castle. You only see from your perspective. But God... God's not building from my perspective. God's not building from your perspective. God is building from God's perspective. So we might not exactly see what he has planned. God is building from his perspective and for his purposes. So what we see might not be the whole picture. That's been one of the great things about being at St. John's over these few weeks. It's clear to me that this is God's community and that God is building it up here in Elkhorn. And I've been blessed to fit into this community for the last few weeks. And now as I prepare to head home and Pastor Tom steps back in, I wonder if you can see what I've seen. One of the reasons that this worked is because over the years you've been practicing. Over the years, God's been shaping and molding this community of faith. God has taken some parts and moved them to new places and brought other parts in. And some parts have been here forever. And some parts are brand new. And at different times and in different circumstances, God has put these pieces together in new and interesting and innovative ways. The neat thing about God is nothing from the past is ever lost. It just gets reworked into the foundation in new ways. All the joy, any hard moment, those are things that God builds on. But God is not done. So let me take just a moment. Let me tell you what I see. This is just a few examples. If I tried to cover it all, it would be a three-hour sermon, which I think would be great. But I understand that we have kids' ministry that will dismiss at 1030, and we should be ready. We should be ready for them. So here's what I see just on a Sunday. Before most of us arrive, there's a small group of staff and volunteers that show up early in the morning. They get things turned on, set up, and started. There's a volunteer that helps make coffee and prep ice water and set out cookies. And that might seem like a little thing, but it makes a space where we can connect. I don't know about you, but sometimes my week, it, I just move, right? We just push through. And there's a crew of volunteers that comes a little early and starts the coffee so that you and I, we have an excuse 
stop for just a few moments and to connect a bit, to make a new friend, to touch base with people that we haven't seen for a bit. It seems like a little thing, but God is at work there in the Welcome Center. Then the sound text and the video maven get everything turned on and arranged. It is super technical and also something that is easily taught. And it's a grace to folks who worship at home because they're social distancing or because they're healing up from being sick or because they're homebound. What an interesting thing. Did you, when YouTube came out, did you ever think, you know what, God's going to use that. Ta-da! YouTube for Jesus. Don't tell anybody. And God's doing all kinds of unexpected things with that. Did you know there's a volunteer team that hosts the online community? While we're all here in person, they host that digital community to make sure people are welcome and connected, that questions are answered. They're the greeters for our digital campus. If you come to worship in person and you enter the building, you'll find a greeter here in person. They welcome us and welcome new people. Make sure we have our communion sets and, and have any questions answered. We're putting together a nursery team to help watch littles during worship. We come in here and have worship leaders and teachers. One of the other things that happens, which which seems like such a little thing, is Pammy puts together slides, and then either Pammy or a volunteer makes sure that we track during worship. As some of you know, my eyes don't work super well. If we didn't have words up on the screen, I would still sing super loud, but I would have to make up the words, which would be distracting to Trenton quite a bit. Yes, sorry. It's a little thing, it seems, that the words are there. But that gives us an opportunity for us to worship together with our faces turned up, to sing and to study as a community. And God uses that. At 9.30, most weeks, there is a whole other worshiping community. Did you know that? All the kids gather just down the hall, and it seems like a little thing, right? It's probably good to have a space for our young ones. But they're learning how to look things up in the Bible. They are singing and being silly and studying and praying, you know, just like we are. There's a whole volunteer team that takes care of that. And here's an example of how my perspective is different than God's perspective. I'll use me as an example. It makes sense to me that there would be volunteers that would help with children's ministry, right? With kidsmen. That makes sense, right? They should have teachers who love children and can keep an eye on them. That makes sense. And we can see them. Did you know that during the week, there is staff and volunteers that prep for that time. 
pull all the things together. I had to pull like four things together for this example, and it took me 10 minutes. And nobody was trying to escape the room while I did it. Right? When you have young ones, all that stuff needs to be pulled together ahead of time. So there's a team that does that. So my perspective is that church is on Sunday. Ta-da! God's perspective is that we are the body of Christ. And some of us are here together on the weekend, but some of us are not. And some of us who are not are prepping for our kids for Sunday. They're pulling the stuff together. There's an opportunity for a volunteer to come and help decorate the space for kids' ministry. Like, we've got this, right? And we've got, did you, did you know, um, if it were left to me, all the walls would be white and there would be no extra stuff, which is why we don't leave that to me, right? We have fall as you come in the building. There are pumpkins. It looks fabulous. Volunteer did that. Somebody with a special set of skills, a set of skills I, I wouldn't even think to ask for. God's like, I need this one thing. I need this to look super awesome so that whoever comes in feels at home. And one of the members of this body went, okay. And so she comes in and she foofs it. They make television shows about the type of decorating expertise we have here at St. John's. My perspective is limited, but God sees this bigger picture. There are the volunteers that we see during the week and all of the other things that happen because God gets an opportunity to use the parts as he sees fit. Speaking of behind-the-scenes stuff, some of you know there's a leadership team here, right? The church council. There's a crew of volunteers that helps keep the building in working order. Some of you have served on that at different times. There's a crew of people who serve on um, what we call the family care team. This is another place, right, where we have some of those folks are here worshiping with us. Some of those folks are at home worshiping with us. They pray for people who have special prayer requests. They make sure those who are on the fringes stay connected. They make sure those who are homebound are loved well. Loving on people in this congregation. There's a volunteer team that works with our junior high and our senior high students. There are quilters and crafters and small group leaders. Are you starting to get the picture? There's this great variety of ways to serve because God has designed us all differently and then placed us in this community at this exact moment in history to serve one another and the community around us. And God's not simply called us here for this moment. God is building up the body of Christ at St. John's and preparing us for the future. God is on the move and he's preparing us for what he has planned next. Speaking of what's next, 
Pastor Tom and I always like to have some something specific that you can ponder during the week or something to lean into as the week goes by. Today I have a challenge for you. I invite you to think about ways that God is connecting you here at St. John's. Maybe it's something you're already doing. Maybe it's something you had never thought of. I made a list of just the things I mentioned in the last five minutes. You notice how small the font is, right? That's a lot of stuff. Those are just the things I mentioned. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. So I invite you to ponder ways that God might be calling you to serve and be connected in a new way at St. John's. I invite you to lean in to those ways that God is calling you to serve and be connected as you already are. And today I'll close with one more example. It's great to have the long list, but this moment in our lives rings loudly for me. At a previous congregation, when Isaiah, our son, was younger, he's nine or ten, we often had to be there early for whatever we were serving with, right? Maybe we were helping prep for communion, or we were greeting, or I was singing that day. And that meant that Isaiah had to sit through worship quietly and content himself for the extra 20 or 30 minutes before worship. That's kind of a big ask for a young person. We always came with plenty of stuff to keep him busy. So stacks of activity books and colored pencils and crayons. We've got the gear. But I was always a little concerned that he would bother someone. As it happened, one of our members also came to church early most weeks. She couldn't drive anymore, and it took her a while to get from the car that had brought her to her seat. But she made the trek every time she could. She was there early and sat and waited for worship to start. Can you kind of see the picture in your head, right? This ancient saint, walker folded up beside her, sitting quietly, waiting for worship. And my child, we always sat in front too, so they were always within a pew of each other, sitting, keeping himself busy, waiting for church to start. I never wanted him to bother her. I was always a little nervous about that. And one Sunday, she leans forward over the pew, sees the stacks of activity books and the colored pencils everywhere, and says to Isaiah, what are you drawing? And that was it. In a moment when we were far from home, far from grandparents, far from extended family, in that instant, Isaiah had an elder in the church that he instantly loved. Every week, he'd hustle in, he'd bring his stuff, he'd share the things from his activity book. He'd always ask if she wanted to do a dot-to-dot, -dot, which I just found hysterically funny. They knew each other's names, they greeted one another every week. And if she was away for a week, he noticed. He asked her about it when she got back. 
To me, this was the body of Christ. This was a gift that I never would have even thought to ask God for. That when we are far from family, that God gives us family here. And if I, if I had asked her to pick something out that she serves in in the church, this would have not ever crossed her mind. But it was a gift to me. It seems a simple thing. But God uses those little things in ways we could never imagine. That's what God does. And God is using each and every one of us in ways that we could hardly anticipate. It's how we've been designed from the very beginning. We've been created to connect. And God will continue to shape and reshape this particular expression of his Lego set until he returns. Be ready. The way we were was awesome. But I think, I think God is going to take that and use it as the foundation to build something new. I cannot wait to see what God does. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, there's, there's so many parts, yet you know how you want them designed together. There are so many things to be done, yet you know exactly what is needed. There are so many opportunities to be the body of Christ in this place. And you have planned and prepared each one of us for those moments. I pray, Lord, that you would give us your vision, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us excitement for what you have next. And show us, Lord, how we are to be plugged in in this moment in time as your children in this church in Elkhorn. All of these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. At this time, if you would take out the elements you received when you came. Those who are at home joining us, whatever it is that you might happen to have around you, take it out, some bread or a cracker, some wine, some grape juice. We're mindful of what's most important, and that is that the Spirit of God is present in this meal, is over, under, and within these elements as His Spirit is over, under, and within us as the body of Christ. And together as we gather, we remember what Jesus said 2,000 years ago to disciples just like you on the night before that he was betrayed. As he sat in that upper room, he took this bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup of blessing, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 
And if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the one that is filling that place that each and every one of us have in our very being with his presence and his light and his life, then no matter what your background, who you are, where you've been, or where you're going, you are welcome to receive at this table. And the way that we prepare for this meal is by allowing God to prepare us, by surrendering ourselves to him. And we do so with a physical sign of surrender. I want to encourage you to open up your hands. Close your eyes if you know the words to the Lord's Prayer. And as you release, maybe you came in this morning and your hands were, were bunched up. As you open them up and release, it lets go of your sin and your worry and your need to know what he's building here. <laughs> and instead receives his grace and his forgiveness and his purpose for us as we prepare to receive him. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.